A man in New Mexico spent $100,000 to convert a box trailer into a soundproof sex chamber. But what really went on inside is not for the weak at heart. This is the first of many warnings. This episode consists of extreme content of a sexual nature. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Gary Quarter. And this is Criminal as Fuck. What's good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I am Dave Jari, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. How we doing? So we'd like to welcome our newest criminal to the family, and that's Bethany Cooper. Thank you so much, Bethany, for your support. You are the best. Thank you, Bethany. You can become a criminal as well by joining our Patreon, or if you want to show your support with a one-time contribution, you can become a barista on Buy Me a Coffee and buy us one or more coffees to help support the podcast. Links to our Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee are found at criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or in the episode description. You can also support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can write whatever you want, you know, things like, I love Criminal AF. Garrett is so dreamy. Dave's got a dreamy voice. <laughs> My favorite podcast. Hands down the best true crime podcast out there. Uh, correction, the number one true crime the podcast number. in the world. <laughs> right? uh, whatever you feel is good to help us move up the charts. For those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault, and pretty much any crime that would haunt you nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events. And there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck. <laughs> uh, we understand that Criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. And if it's not for you, well, thanks for checking it out. See ya. But if it is, welcome, welcome to, to the, the debauchery. debauchery. All right, everybody line up. Mail call. Mail call. We have Audrey Love, and she asks... What are our thoughts on why men and women are attracted to killers? Oh, good question. Good that question. is a good question. Well, I, I can speak as far as, like, women are concerned because, you know, this is... You're just speaking for women now, well, Dave? You're just speaking for women? Gotcha, bud. <laughs> it's one of these podcasts, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> is Andrew Tate coming down to sit with us? No, I'm just Listen here. Well, I mean, I'm saying it because it's already been discussed and explored before. Yeah, for that sure. That women just love a bad boy. No, I know. I, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, because uh, like, if you look at uh, especially like Richard Ramirez or Ted Bundy, women were lining up to like see yeah. these guys. You know what I mean? And most most of these guys died in prison married. Right. <laughs> Throw back to the last episode, Tex ended up having kids yeah. in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah, four kids married. But as far as men, men who like women killers... I think that has to do more of like a sadomasochism or yeah, something. Yeah, kind of yeah, like, like you know, oh, yeah, you torture just, me. Yeah, risk, risking the risking the danger. Yeah, I think that goes with girl, females too. I mean, I think I think if there's something you know, like at any second, like this dude could just like strangle it, me. And kill yeah, me. I, I think it, there's definitely a certain type. I mean, of, if, if we're being honest, I mean, this all, it sounds pretty hot. <laughs> <to me. laughs> they're 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 definitely. It's definitely a certain type of person that finds killers in that situation. So rather than just like take like our opinions of it, because I mean, it's basically that's all it is is our opinion. Uh, what is what is the actual? So hybristophilia is the actual condition. I've heard of this before. It's uh, where sexual arousal is linked to the partner to a partner who acts out against society via outrage and crime. 
And it's one scientific reason why women might be drawn to serial killers. But you could also argue that that's men, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, if it's an actual diagnosed... I mean, there are a lot of men who like to be subs. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a... There's entire communities on that. Right. Uh, what, what, what is that? What's that show? Uh, they write... They pen pal fucking people in jail and they end up dating after. I, I don't know the show, but I know it happens all over the place. Dude, <laughs> I just said that... I just saw this the other day where, I mean, Criminal AF on TikTok, if everybody wants to know, please mm. check us out. We have a great TikTok there curated by Dave himself. But I was scrolling through TikTok the other day. They yeah. actually have inmate dating shows on TikTok. So I don't know the channel. I, I can't find it because it's it just scrolled through. But there's yeah. actually women that have, like, they're on Zooms. Yeah. And like, hey, this is inmate 4555. Yes, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah and then yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, by the way, I like long walks on the beach, glass, yeah. <laughs> like a glass of Chardonnay, blah, blah, blah with dinner. Yeah. If you want my commissary number, it's right here. <laughs> like, in my, my PayPal number. I'm like, oh my what? God. It's like an OnlyFans. Yes, for, for inmates. inmates. Yeah. Instead of getting like actual money, they're like, you know, feed my fucking. Yeah, there's my commissary. And, yeah. and if you want to write me, you can write me. And like they have, because it's like, and it's this like 10, four, it's, it's like 108p <laughs> camera <laughs> that's all distorted. You can barely make out their yes, faces. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was wild. So, that, I mean, that's our best guess at the answer. And I hope that was good for you, Audrey Love. And thank you very much for sending in your question. Garrett, what do you got for us? Oh, I'm going to take you right down to good old Florida. <laughs> Fox News. Who official Fox? Fox News. Fox News. Right. Florida man arrested for allegedly sexually assaulting a stuffed Olaf at a Target. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, let it go. Let, let it go. A Florida Poor man. Olaf. <laughs> I know he didn't do anything. He does got a pretty mouth though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A Florida man was arrested for allegedly sexually assaulting an Olaf stuffed doll of the wildly popular PG-rated Disney movie Frozen in a Target on Tuesday. Cody Meter, 20, is accused of placing the popular snowman on the floor and dry-humping it until until he ejaculated. (laughs) To completion? To completion? In the middle of a store. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. Uh, At the Pinellas Park store... At about 2 p.m., according to arrest affidavit, throwback. Yeah, throwback to another episode. Obtained by thesmokinggun.com. Meter then found a stuffed unicorn in the store and he allegedly dry humped before the cops arrived. Cops say he admitted to his dirty wait, wait, deeds. Wait, 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 wait. So he dry humped Olaf to completion, to completion and then went to go find uh, a unicorn? Yeah, right after. Uh, it's it's gotta what be meth, dude. Meth makes you horny. What do you do? From what the- I hear, I don't ever try meth before, but I heard makes I heard meth makes you horny. Uh, Meter then found. At a least st- he didn't shove that horn in anyone. Oh, that th- that see that's that was where I was going. Cops say he admitted to his dirty deeds, saying he did stupid stuff on that Olaf. Oh yeah. Me- yeah. Meter's oh, yeah. father told cops his son has a history of this type of behavior. The arrest what? record said he's just a phantom stuffed animal. The poor kid. Imagine walking in. Oh no, oh, I'm not is, even gonna is go there. Is he a furry? Is he a furry? I would. I would say the start. I'm sure he's looked at for, furry porn. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the. It's probably the dark transition down to the road of going to a furry convention. Right. You know what I mean? It's there. It's definitely there. Oh wait, 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 wait. So you have to hump a Olaf before you actually become a furry. Or do you become a furry first? Pretty sure you have to... I think furries start at adolescence when you, like... You know, like, you all hear the stories about people dry-humping their stuffed animals. Like, I think that's... I've never heard that. What? 
I mean, I've heard of pillows, but the pillows, okay, yeah, 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 it goes transitions to stuffed animals, okay. whatever. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the. I think that's the start, the spark. Yeah, it turns somebody into a full blown furry, for sure. Uh, I just real quick, I have to read because that was uh, the Fox News article, but the New York Post said it so much funny. Hold on, okay. funny, hold on. <laughs> so the New York Post determined it. <laughs> meter admitted to doing stupid stuff, quotations, and that he had nutted, quotations. Oh, oh. <laughs> they put nutted in the book. Oh, the New York Post. <laughs> on the Olaf stuffed animal. So it oh. was to completion. Oh. I, love, I love how Fox cut that part yeah, out, but yeah, New York yeah, Post yeah. is like, well, we're going to let this run. Yeah. Fox is like, uh, to completion. It's my favorite part. The Post is like, he nutted. <laughs> the, the toys were removed from the store floor, according to police. The merchandise could not be resold. <laughs> No, duh. Oh, God. Yeah, because who knows how many other... Yeah, he was. He put it back after. Oh, did he? Yeah. <gasps> and then they caught him with the unicorn. Oh, and then they played and then back he, the video? He, oh, yeah, and then he, he told them that it was like... Uh -oh. But imagine if they didn't catch that. Oh, and some kid was like, Mommy, uh, I want an Olaf. I want an Olaf. Why is it all sticky? Then you're, then you're definitely singing, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> let it go. Let it the fuck go. Oh, man. Oh, that is disgusting. Another great Florida man story. Ugh. Alright, oof. Criminal AF will be back after this quick break. What's good, everybody? Nothing says I am one of the debauched like Criminal AF apparel and merchandise. Choose from multiple designs that fit your style and your attitude. For women, for men, around the home, or at the office. You can look great repping Criminal AF wherever you go and help support the podcast as well by visiting criminalafpodcast.com backslash shop or click on the link in the episode description. Go get you some merch. Yes, sir. So, uh, you want to take a trip back in time? Oh, where are we, what, what time are we going to? Well, let's hop into our studio chloroform time machine and take a trip back to Elephant Butte, New Mexico. Nice. To the year 1999. Ooh, a little, little Y2K action. Yeah. I like it. I like well it. Well before chemistry teacher Walter White and Jesse Pinkman created their meth empire. Oh. New Mexico. Get the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, got it. Okay. I got it. So we'll punch in our coordinates. Dude, you farting here? Smells. It does. It smells. <laughs> get, the, get, the, get a fucking air freshener next time. We right? need to add windows to this thing or something. <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> All right. 1999 was the year when Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold stormed through the doors of Columbine High School. Ooh and murdered 12 students, one teacher, and injured 21 others before both committing suicide to avoid being arrested. This led to renewed debates over gun control laws and bullying. Talk, and the spark of school shooting in general. Yeah. For sure, they're the, they're the OGs. Jack Kevorkian, known as Dr. Death, was sentenced for the second-degree murder of Thomas Yulk, who requested Kevorkian's aid in his end-of-life decision. Now today, death with dignity it is legal in 10 U.S. states, while 33 others have tried to pass it into law. You know, why, why is that so taboo? Like, I, don't, I, mean, I don't get why if somebody want, wants to die. I know it comes down to the, 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 religious, yeah. the religious background that America was built on. So it's like, right. I get why. But like at the same time, like this, in Switzerland, you can go in those pods. And you just push a button. Does The pod does it for you. Now, like, I'm in favor of death with dignity. You know, I've thought about, you know, if it ever came down to it, you know, that's probably something I would want it, you know, I would probably do. Because, you know, watching my, my mother pass was, like, one of the most horrific experiences I've ever had. 
and if that was like something that was available or legal for her to do, um, pretty sure that she would choose that route than having to suffer. So I would definitely, definitely be in favor of that. All right, enough of this dark shit. Uh, on a lighter note, SpongeBob SquarePants debuts for the first time, and MySpace launched as the premier, if not only, social media company. Oh, man. My MySpace was oh, popping yeah. back oh, in yeah. the day, dude. I wonder how Tom's doing today. Uh, Remember Tom? Good old Tom. Good old Tom. You know, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't add you as your friend when you fucking sign My up for Facebook. My very first friend on MySpace. Well, I guess he was everybody's friend. What a whore. <laughs> Tom was a whore. All right, so let's take a look at crime in New Mexico during 1999. There were 14,520 cases of violent crime throughout the state, including 10,827 assaults, 2,579 robberies, 944 rapes, and 170 murders, which up to 60 of these murders were believed to be committed by the man we are discussing today. Now, I know I said this before, and we'll say it again later, but this episode is not for the faint of heart. It contains strong sexually violent content, in which a man by the name of David Parker Ray committed against multiple women with the help of his girlfriend, daughter, and her boyfriend. So buckle in, folks. This is going to be a wild ride, and we'll get right into it with Chapter 1. This episode of Criminalized Fuck contains descriptions of disturbing graphic violence, which may be offensive to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin this episode, it is my duty to warn you of its content. I understand that in this day and age, the topic of what we are about to discuss possibly occurs in more households than many would like to believe, or admit to. But the graphic nature of this topic nonetheless deserves the tag of not safe for work. The subject matter is extremely sexual in nature, and I'm not talking about some playful biting, slapping, or hair pulling. We're talking about sadomasochism. This form of sexual activity, most often called SM, was first believed to be publicly insinuated in a number of plays written by William Shakespeare, most notably Romeo and Juliet, The Taming of the Shrew, and Antony and Cleopatra. In the latter, Shakespeare writes, The stroke of death is as a lover's pinch, which hurts and is desired. I won't go into any more Shakespearean work for this episode, but if you so choose to read it, it's there. Sadomasochism is derived from two words. Sadism, in which a person experiences sexual pleasure from inflicting pain on another, and masochism, in which a person experiences sexual pleasure from receiving pain. Together, a sadist and a masochist form a dominant and submissive relationship in which both partners can live out their wildest fantasies, most often in a safe and understanding environment. Where S&M goes wrong is when one of the partners goes to an extreme and exceeds what the other is willing to handle. Then it goes from a mutual sadomasochist sexual experience to strictly sadist. In some instances, a sadist can have no qualms about inflicting horrific pain on another person. In the case we are going to discuss, a sadist spent over $100,000 converting a box trailer into a room of torture where he held women captive and raped them for days and weeks on end. This evil creation was dubbed the Toy Box. 
Elephant Butte, New Mexico, is a small town located near the center of Sierra County with a population of just over 1,300 people. The town got its name because of their butte, a hill formation similar to a mesa, which is shaped like an elephant. Even though so few people call this home year-round, the town can burst 150,000 people throughout the summer months because of their large reservoir. Other than this reservoir and surrounding state park, what makes this town notable is what occurred on March 22, 1999. Before we talk about what happened on that day, there are a couple of events that occurred leading up to this. On July 26, 1996, police in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, a town neighboring Elephant Butte, received a phone call from the husband of Kelly Garrett. He explained that the newlyweds had an argument the day before and she hasn't been seen or heard from since. There is little the police can do. She hasn't been missing long enough, and to be honest, the way life was in these towns, this is not an uncommon occurrence. The following day, Kelly arrived on her doorstep with the help of a state park employee. He explained that he found Kelly on the side of the road, gave her some food and water, and then brought her home. When questioned by her husband about her whereabouts the previous two days, Kelly had no recollection. The last thing she remembers was leaving their house after the argument, and she went to her friend's house. From there, they met up with other friends to play pool and blow off steam. Throughout the night, she and her friends went to a few local bars. Kelly said that she didn't drink at any of these establishments because she was the one driving until they arrived at the final bar called Blue Water Saloon, where they met another friend named Jesse Ray, who Kelly had known for about three years and a friend of Jesse's named Roy. She ordered one beer. Halfway through the drink, a friend decided to call it a night. They lived a short distance away, so Kelly brought them home, and when she returned, she finished her beer. That's when the night starts to go blank. Kelly recalls asking Jesse to bring her home because she didn't feel like she could drive. Jesse, who had been drinking herself, told Kelly that she would bring her to a friend's house to spend the night and she would bring her home in the morning. The next thing Kelly remembers is being in a vehicle driven by the state park employee, covered in sand, and wearing the same disheveled clothes she had on two days prior. On July 7, 1997, police receive another complaint of a missing person. This time, the mother of 22-year-old Marie Parker shows up to the police station, saying that her daughter hasn't been seen in days. Marie, who is known to bounce from place to place with her two daughters, including living out of a pop-up tent by the reservoir, was only in Elephant Butte for a short time. In their search for Marie, they learned she was last seen at the Blue Water Saloon with her ex-boyfriend, Roy Yancey, and a friend of theirs named Jesse Ray. Police questioned Jesse, and she said that Marie was drunk, so she gave her a ride home. That was the last she saw of her. With no evidence to the contrary, Police believe Marie had skipped town. Shortly after Marie's disappearance, a woman from Washington State makes her presence known in Elephant Butte. Her name was Cindy Hendy. She escaped her life in Washington after she was caught selling drugs to an undercover police officer. At the age of 11, Cindy was molested by her stepfather. 
She reported the molestation to her mother, who took her stepfather's side and called Cindy a liar. This led to a life of violence and crime. Now in Elephant Butte, Cindy quickly rose to the ranks of the local bar scene and soon became friends with Jesse Ray and Roy Yancey. After Cindy got into a violent fight with a boyfriend, she was arrested and sentenced to do community service work in Elephant Butte Park. This is where she met a man named David Parker Ray, who worked in the state park. David Parker Ray was born on November 6, 1939, in Bellin, New Mexico, to Cecil and Nettie Ray, the oldest of two children. His parents were extremely poor, so they, David, and his younger sister Peggy, lived in a home along with Nettie's parents. Cecil was a severe alcoholic and would abuse Nettie and the children on a daily basis. When David was 10, his parents divorced, and the decision was made that David and Peggy would go live with their paternal grandparents on a ranch in Mountain Air, New Mexico, and life would only get worse. Their grandfather, Ethan Ray, was a strict disciplinarian. Any violation of his rules would result in extreme punishment. After high school, David worked as a mechanic and would soon enlist in the army where he held the same occupation. David went on to be married and divorced four times, producing two children, including Glenda Jean Ray, who was known to her friends as Jesse Ray. I love how uh, you dove into the little little history of SNM before we start this story. Well, you know, it's got a little Shakespearean ties, you know? Goes back a few hundred years. You strike me as someone who could get stepped on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Little high heel action. I, I can see it. Can Step see on it. my nuts. It's it's there. It's definitely there you somewhere. Think so? Yeah, it's there. You're, you're such a. You got that commanding voice, that presence. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like usually those are the guys that just you know, behind closed doors they want to like get I mean, wax poured on them and stuff like that. I mean, everybody's got a little sub in them, don't they? <laughs> That's my, true. You know, it just depends on the on the moment. Yeah. You know? I get it. I get it. Yeah. Down for anything. So we'll go into the story of Kelly Garrett. You know, we, we, we discussed how she had no recollection of what happened for a period of a couple of days, you know. Uh, her husband didn't buy her explanation that she didn't have any, you know, she had no memory. Yeah, sure. You were out here running around. Yeah. So he, he believed that Kelly was cheating on him and that she was in a drug-induced haze, like a self-inflicted drug-induced haze. And Kelly tried to get a hold of uh, Jesse, her friend, to have her explain what happened, but it was as if she... Just up and vanished. Jesse girl. I, I mean, to be fair, she was in a drug-induced haze. It's just, you know what I mean? Granted, yes. So her husband kicked her out, and she moved back with her family in Colorado. Now, we'll talk later about what happened with Kelly once everything starts coming to light. Now, as far as uh, David Parker Ray, uh, his father was a fucking weirdo. Uh, now, David Parker Ray and you know his siblings, they were sent off to live with the grandfather who was abusive and strict and all this other kind of stuff, but... Uh, his father, Cecil, would occasionally visit the children. And it was believed that during this time that Cecil would introduce uh, Parker Ray to hardcore porn. This would establish the fascination with bondage and S&M and whatnot, you know, in, yeah, in his young mind. Way to ruin a child's mind. Right. And set up them for weird fetishes for the rest of the life. Yeah. These uh, fetishes and fascinations into the uh, world of S&M would become more extreme in high school. Now, he was described as a loner who was shy, awkward, 
and he would be on the receiving end of constant bullying by his classmates. Now, with no friends, uh, he would spend time alone, drinking, using drugs, and diving deeper in, into hardcore porn. Now, it was during high school that his sister would come across his collection of bondage photographs and sadomasochistic drawings. Was bondage real big in the 70s? Apparently. I, I mean, I didn't know. I, I, I thought it was all, like, you know, good old... 50s missionary 50s sex. 50s missionary sex, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm trying to think. That, maybe, maybe not. The 70s were probably the start of like the kind of degenerate era. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really dive too much deep, you know, into that. Yeah, I grew up. I was born in the 70s, raised through the 80s. I didn't really start, you know, seeing like all all this, you know, stuff until like the probably late 80s, early 90s. When's the when's the first time you saw porn? How old were you? 14, 15. 14. Yeah, so that would have been like just straight bush, huh? That would have been 90. <laughs> no, back then it was it was a strip. Oh, the landing strip. Gotcha, the strip gotcha, was gotcha. big back then. <laughs> but there was nothing nothing crazy, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. where was he getting bondage and weird no, videos? Wait, one of my friends, his dad had a, like a stash. In high school, we used, to, we used to go in there and dig through his stash. And there was some, I mean, I wouldn't say like like hardcore freaky shit, but I mean, there was some little more rough than, than Playboy, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because in my mind, I, I, every time I've seen, like, 70s porn or, like, reenactments of 70s porn, it's all, like, slow jazz playing, and it's, yeah. like, it's lovey-dovey, and it's just hair and bush everywhere, like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, don't know, I yeah, just, I don't yeah. see that era as, like, this bondage hardcore, but who, who knows, there's niches everywhere, I guess. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Kelly Garrett wasn't the only one who crossed paths with Parker Ray. So, we'll discuss more in the next chapter, and Parker Ray uh, meets an accomplice. David and Cindy hit it off rather quickly and began dating. It didn't take long for David to incorporate hardcore sex, and Cindy was a very willing participant. She liked how David took control and introduced sex toys, role-playing, and bondage into their relationship. And soon, Cindy was submissive to everything David wanted, which was a sadomasochistic relationship. A short time later, in February of 1999, Cindy brought home a friend named Angie Montano, who had recently moved to Elephant Butte with her son from Albuquerque. Unbeknownst to Angie, this wasn't an invite for tea. She was quickly subdued by David and Cindy, shackled, tied to a bed, and over the next five days, is repeatedly raped and tortured with cattle prods and homemade sex objects, some with nails protruding from them. This brings us to the date we spoke of in the beginning, March 22, 1999. On this day, a 22-year-old woman named Cynthia Jaramillo, naked and bloody, was running for her life. She didn't know where she was going, but she knew that she had to get to somewhere, anywhere, fast. She spotted a mobile home nearby and barged through the door, shocking the homeowner. Out of breath, shaken with fear, and wearing nothing but a padlock metal choke collar around her neck, she pleaded for the homeowner to help her. She had been kidnapped and was held in a box trailer for three days, where her captors raped and tortured her with electric shock, whips, medical instruments, and various sexual devices. She was in a state of panic, and although she struggled to get the words out of her mouth, her body told a compelling story. She was covered in bruises, burns, and puncture wounds. 
the homeowner contacted emergency services. By the time the homeowner got off the phone, police were already at their door. Now that she knew she was safe, Cynthia told police that she met a man in Albuquerque who claimed to be an undercover police officer. He told her she was being arrested for prostitution and placed handcuffs on her. She was then brought to an RV where she was attacked by him and a woman who tied her up and gagged her. They traveled for some time before she was dragged out of the RV and brought into a box trailer. For three days she was forced into various positions exposing her genital area where she endured being brutally raped by the man, women, and animals. She was raped orally, vaginally, and anally with large dildos, and the man would often hang her up and electrocute her with a cattle prod. The woman was told that there were many before her that were killed because they didn't cooperate during their torture, and the woman herself feared for her life. David Parker Ray and his girlfriend, Cindy Hendy, were soon questioned by police. They both stuck to the same story. The victim was a heroin addict who was lying about her ordeal. They were trying to help her detox, and the injuries occurred as a result of her withdrawals. Their explanation would soon be disproven, as police discovered a scene one would be hard-pressed to even find in a horror movie. Inside the box trailer was a true torture chamber. There was a gynecologist table in the middle of the trailer. The floors were littered with whips, chains, leg spreader bars, surgical tools, pulleys, straps, clamps, saw blades, and numerous sex toys. On the walls were diagrams and instructions on how to inflict the most pain on a human body. The evidence of psychological torture was present as well. There was a mirror on the ceiling where the victims were forced to watch everything that was happening to them. Then a box was placed over their head leaving them in complete darkness and unaware of which horrors would occur next. There was one more item that helped the investigators learn the reality these women endured. Found inside a cassette player was an audio tape. So after Angie, Montano begged to be let go so she could be with her son, and uh, she promised not to report them. Parker Ray allowed her to be released and dropped her off along Highway 25. Now, a short time later, Angie was picked up by an off-duty police officer. Uh, in the vehicle, Angie spilled everything that happened to her by the hands of uh, David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy. When the officer wanted to bring her to the station to file a formal complaint, uh, Angie had refused, thinking that nobody would believe her story, and she feared for her safety and that of her sons. That initially never got brought to a police complaint. The next thing I'm going to say is disgusting and it's going to be cruel. Now, it wasn't just David Parker Ray who participated in these brutal, horrific rapes. Uh, it was also his girlfriends we discussed and his dogs. Ugh. Yes, his dogs. Um, it was reported that on a number of occasions, uh, Parker Ray would pour gravy on the women's genitalia along with other food items and send the dogs to eat around and in uh, the woman's vaginal area. That's fucking sick, dude. Yeah. That's absolutely sick. I, 
I want like how how much do you have to manipulate your significant other for her to join in on that? Like like I know she they we, you talked about how she was a submissive and this and that, but like come on. No, we I mean we discussed this before uh, a couple of times. Like one person on their own would never go through with any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, it always takes that other person to bring them over over that point. I mean, this could have been something where, you know, over a period of time, maybe maybe uh, Cindy Handy was, you know, very uh, impressionable. You know, she had just uh, moved to New Mexico, and maybe she saw something in David Parker Ray, you know, where, ugh, dude, fuck if I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something psychologically wrong there. Right. Next, we will listen to a reenacted audio tape that Parker Ray would play for his victims. Now, while the actual audio is, isn't available online or anywhere, to be honest, uh, the transcripts are. So, here's another warning. If you are sensitive to graphic sexual content, a survivor of sexual assault, or unsure you even want to hear this audio, uh, we suggest that you skip this part. But the audio will be played in three, two, one. Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained. Gagged. Probably blindfolded. You're disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while, at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993, as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now, you are obviously here against your will, totally helpless, don't know where you're at, don't know what's going to happen to you. You are very scared, or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose, and no you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen to you next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is in what you have between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly, and repeatedly, in every hole you've got. Because, basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Well, I suppose it is to the uninitiated, but we do it all the time. It's going to take a lot of adjustment on your part, and you're not going to like it a fucking bit. I don't give a big rat's ass about that. It's not like you're going to have any choice about the matter. You've been taken by force, and you're going to be kept and used by force. What all of this amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal, to be used and abused at any time we want, any way we want and you might as well start getting used to it, because you're going to be kept here and used until such a time we get tired of fucking around with you. And we will, eventually, in a month or two, maybe three. It's no big deal. You're here, and we're going to make the most of it. You're going to be kept in a hidden slave room. It is relatively soundproof, escape-proof, and it is completely stocked with devices and equipment to satisfy our sexual fetishes and deviations. There may or may not be another girl in the room, Occasionally, for variety, we like to keep two slaves at the same time. In either case, as the new girl, you'll definitely be getting the most attention for a while. Now, as I said earlier, 
You're going to be kept like an animal. I guess I've been doing this a long time. I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off and tie little girls' hands behind their back. As far as I'm concerned, you're a pretty piece of meat to be used and exploited. I don't give a flying fuck about your mind or how you feel about the situation. You may be married, have a kid or two, boyfriend, girlfriend, a job, car payment, fuck it. I don't give a rat's ass about any of that, and I don't want to hear about it. It's something you're going to have to deal with after you're turned loose. I make it a point to never like a slave, and I fucking sure don't have any respect for you. Here, your status is no more than one of the dogs, or of one of the animals out in the barn. Your only value to us is the fact that you have an attractive, usable body. And like the rest of our animals, you'll be fed and watered, kept in good physical condition, kept reasonably clean, and allowed to use the toilet when necessary. In return, you're going to be used hard, especially during your first few days while you're new and fresh. you got to be kept chained in a variety of different positions, usually with your legs or knees forced wide apart. Your pussy and your asshole is going to get a real workout, especially your asshole, because I'm into animal sex. Also, both of those holes are going to be subjected to a lot of use with some rather large dildos, among other things. And it goes without saying that there's going to be a lot of oral sex. On numerous occasions, you're going to be forced to suck cock and eat pussy until your jaws ache and your tongue is sore. You may not like it, but you're fucking sure going to do it. And that's the easy part. Our fetishes and hang-ups include stringent bondage, dungeon games, a little sadism, nothing serious, but uncomfortable and sometimes painful. Just a few little hang-ups we like to use when we're getting off on a bitch. <laughs> If you're a young teeny bopper and ignorant about fetishes and deviations, you're about to get an enlightening crash course in sex. Who knows? You may like some of it. It happens occasionally. If we want to take the time and trouble, even under these conditions, most bitches can be brought to orgasm. Now, I've already told you that you're going to be here a month or two, maybe three, if you keep us turned on. If it's up to my lady, we'd be keeping you indefinitely. She says it's just as much fun and less risky. But personally, I like variety. A fresh pussy now and then to play with. We take four or five different girls each year, depending on our urges and sometimes accidental encounters. Basically, I guess we're like predators. We're always looking. In another audio tape, police learn that David Parker Ray admits to using a combination of sodium pentothal and phenobarbital on his victims. This concoction induces amnesia, assuring that the victims have little to no recollection of the assaults. Police also found a videotape. On this tape, a blonde-haired woman could be seen strapped to a gynecologist chair in an obviously drug-induced state with David Parker Ray rubbing and groping her. Her face was covered, so police couldn't confirm her identity until they noticed a tattoo on her calf. The tattoo wasn't clear, so they sent the video to the FBI, who were able to identify the tattoo and make it public through the media. A woman in Colorado recognized the tattoo. It was hers, and suddenly, Kelly Garrett's two days of hell changed from a blur she would only see in her nightmares and became reality. With news of this case making headlines, Angie Montano also came out with her story. With the help of Kelly, police were now questioning Jesse Ray and Roy Yancey. J. 
Jessie maintained her previous accounts and said she wasn't aware of any wrongdoing. When it came time to question Roy, he sang like a bird. He confirmed that he and Jesse brought Kelly Garrett and Marie Parker to David Parker Ray, and after raping and torturing Maria for two days, David instructed Roy to murder her. Uh, wow, man. Ugh, that's a, that would, the thought of being, waking, coming to after being drugged and hearing that audio tape that he would pre-record and just how vulgar and disgusting it is. I, if, if you're not scared from just waking up in a random place, you're not, you're scared now. Being tied up, blindfolded, and then having this being played. Ugh. You can't see, you can't move, and you have this guy spewing this fucking... Rhetoric. Re- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's sickening. That's... It's frightening. It's sickening and frightening. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. One of the scariest parts in there is, is I'm going to give you an experience based on the several capt- captives that I've had. Right. In the same chair as you. Like, that right there would have set me off. You don't know how long he's been doing this. And- what, you know, what has happened with the previous woman, you know what I mean? Like, are, are they really just going to be let go after all this, or are they murdered, or, you know what I mean? You, you just don't know. Yeah. At that point in time, you know? It's crazy, too, that this is the actual transcript. Yeah. Of, this was the recording, basically, that those women heard right before they probably had the worst experience of their life. So if it didn't creep you out when you listened to it, really think about it. When you put it all in con- the context, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. So in all, David Parker Ray, he was charged with the kidnapping, rape, and torture of Kelly Garrett, Angie Montano, and Cynthia Jaramillo. After a plea deal, uh, he was found guilty of all charges, yet he was not convicted for his wrongdoing against Angie Montano because she had passed away prior to his plea, plea deal. Uh, he was sentenced to, in 2001 to 224 years in prison. How many of these women died? Three, right? Uh, none of them died. I, he's been he's suspected of, of 60 plus because based on the evidence that they found in his home yeah now Jesse Ray his daughter uh, she was convicted of kidnapping and was sentenced to two years with five years probation so basically she was the setup girl for all, for some of these women and two years seems like nothing basically got a slap on her wrist because she know she knew damn well what was going on right now, in 1999, Roy Yancey, he was convicted in the murder of Marie Parker, a separate incident. Uh, he was released in 2021. Now, in 2000, Cindy Hendy was sentenced to 36 years for her role in the kidnappings. She was released in July of 2020. Uh, David Parker Ray is often found, you know, amongst a long list of serial killers, you know, yet he was never convicted of a single murder. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Now, the reason that he joins this list is because of the statements from his accomplices and admissions in his journals, audio, and videotapes that were found at his house. Now, police are convinced that David Parker Ray is responsible for the deaths of up to 60 people in Arizona and New Mexico. Now, after his conviction and sentencing, uh, David Parker Ray, you know, he made an agreement with the authorities that he would lead them to the graves of those he murdered. Now, in a macabre twist, uh, this agreement would become null and void because on May 28th, 2002, after being transferred to Lee County Correctional Facility, David Parker Ray died of a heart attack. It's unfortunate for the families that needed closure at that point, you know what I mean? Yep. That's what I feel most sad about. Yeah. 
So there's potentially 60 women that will never be identified. They'll never have justice served because of sick fuck. Yeah. That'll wrap it for this episode of The Toy Box. Uh, if you liked what you heard, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. To become one of our amazing criminals on Patreon or support us with a one-time contribution with Buy Me A Coffee, visit criminalafpodcast.com backslash support. Links to our merchandise, social support, and more are in the episode description. Or you can visit criminalafpodcast.com for all of your criminal AF needs. And signing off from Studio Chloroform, keep your head on a swivel, and take care till next time. Now, now give me our theme music! See ya!